Why, hello everyone, welcome back. Hello, party people. It is time for some cover B. My mic to my face. Hello, party people. <laughs> you know what type of cover B this is? Uh, it's a barely additional episode. Real extra! Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Real extra. Yeah. It's real extra. Super, super extra. But real. But real. Like, R-E-E-L. When extra stop being fake and start <laughs> being real. And start being real. The real extra. Uh, what are we real extra-ing today, T? We are real extra-ing the Baby Yoda show. Yep. Baby Yoda and his space cowboy friend. Who's not important. Yep. Actually, nobody in that show is important <laughs> except for Baby Yoda. Okay. Dial it back. <laughs> Take it. You're at like a 12. I need you to bring it down to like an eight. Hold on, but Hold like, on. have you seen him? I have. He's adorable, and we'll talk about him. Anyway, we're talking about the Mandalorian. Yeah, that. He's half man, half DeLorean. Uh, that ain't right. All space cowboy. Uh, That's we finally right. caught up. It's eight episodes. For those who don't know, Mandalorian is a show produced by Jon Favreau with various uh, wonderful directors. Lots of guest stars and surprise cameos. Uh, and just a real cool Star Wars story that's exclusive to Disney+. Plus. Yes, it is, in fact, the first live-action Star Wars show to be on Disney+, Plus, with expectations of likely many more. Indeed. I loved it. It was, uh, it was absolutely fantastic. It was so good. All eight episodes are <laughs> on Disney+, Plus now, so if you just got Disney+, Plus or you haven't gotten it yet and you plan on getting it, you'll be able to binge them. Uh, they didn't release them like uh, like Netflix does theirs. They actually released them on kind of a more traditional like a weekly uh, release schedule. schedule, which I think works better. Um, I'm I'm fine with how Netflix does their stuff, but I never really like binge it anyway. You know, yeah. even like when the Marvel stuff comes out, I watch like a few episodes at a time and do other stuff, and then like few episodes another day, and then do other stuff. You it's know, because we um, have too much going on in life to sit. For like nine hours at a time. It true. <laughs> um, Mandalorian himself was played by Pedro Pascal, who did a wonderful job. So good. Uh, he was at least voiced. He wasn't actually physically there for all various of it. For he was there for some of it. Um, other cast members include Carl Weathers, uh, Gina Carano, who was amazing, uh, Werner Herzog, uh, Nick Nolte did a voice of an Ugnaught, which was really cool. Taika Waititi did a voice of Ming-Na an Wen. IG droid. Uh, Minya Wen. Uh, God, who else? Uh, what is what is that guy's name? Uh, no, sorry, my phone is slowly dying, so it's it's getting it's getting, <laughs> getting bad. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito plays a real. BA character at one point. So there's tons of people, tons and tons and tons and tons and tons, endlessly tons of people popping up in the show. Um, even like Bill Burr pops up randomly. Um, Adam Pally and uh, uh, Jason Sudeikis are in it randomly. So it's, it's, there's tons of people. Uh, Amy Sedaris yeah. is in it, is in an episode. Her role is great yeah. too. And so lots and lots of people. Uh, popping up Lots in this bad boy. Lots of comedians. Yeah, which I, I really liked. Um, for me, this show, and so, you know, going, like, there might be some spoilers, but a lot of... Light what, spoilage. We're not going to get too much into story elements because it's a show and there's a lot of story elements, so it's hard to really, like, 
you know, here's the story. Tie it all in. Um, <clears throat> but it's definitely worth watching. Um, so sorry if there's any, like, you didn't know there was a baby Yoda. Where have you been? What's wrong um, with you? I don't know how. If, if you out there are unaware that there's a baby Yoda, I need you to teach me your secrets of avoiding spoilers because you're some sort of freaking guru <laughs> in spoiler avoidance. Because it's... It's insane to me that anybody with internet access could not know that there's a Baby Yoda in the show. No, the only um, way someone has avoided Baby Yoda since this show has begun is that they're literally trapped in Jumanji right now. Yeah, yeah, right? That's we're, it. We're going to go see that tomorrow. I'm really excited. Anyway. T-T-T. But yeah, I for me, the show really stood out because a lot of my, like, more adulthood like i i've been with star wars since i was a kid i read in like high school and college i read a bunch of the like dark horse comics um you know i've read a couple of the books but not not too many i never really got too much into the novels because i wasn't a reader really until i got into college <laughs> um i was always doing fun things uh i'm just kidding i love reading um <laughs> and so a lot of my like as an adult, a lot of my perception of Star Wars has been shaped around the fact that I've spent years playing the Star Wars RPG. Yes. Um, as a teen, a lot of my Star Wars was shaped around the fact, not only was I reading these Dark Horse comics, which focused, a lot of them focused on a lot of Outer Rim stuff. Right. Uh, but also, I was playing KOTOR. And yeah. And that was, you know, oh, KOTOR's while so still Jedi-based, it was a little bit more, like, rough and tumble. You could be, like, a scoundrel-type person. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you had that element to it. And so I've always just longed to see a live action thing that really focused on like, you know, bounty hunting and the outer rim and, you know, the, the very like, like I said, space cowboy kind of, you know, side of this. The seedy side. And that's why when I eventually got to, I didn't watch it when it was on TV, but, you know, later down the road when I, when it was on Netflix, when I eventually watched Firefly, I was like so into Firefly because that was exactly what I was looking for. It was yeah. like the fact that there's so many like Western influences in the styles and whatnot. I mean, if you go back and watch the original trilogy, Boba Fett has spurs. Yeah. <laughs> Why does Boba Fett have spurs? When he walks, it's like spur, spur, spur. Yeah, it's that spur noise. And it apparently was added in just because Lucas wanted him to like make a sound when he walked. Um, which is such a Lucas thing. It's like, so they're lucky he didn't roll in with like jingle bells and be like, tie this on his head. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he has spurs on, and that became kind of like a Boba Fett like signature thing. Like thing. And eventually, it kind of developed that Boba Fett was like really good with like beast management and stuff like that. But um, beast management that sounds like a what second. <laughs> second tier executive job i'm the beast manager of the regional wisconsin um i got upgraded from assistant beast manager worked all the way up from a part-time beast supervisor position <laughs> that day they handed me that beast shift supervisor position was the happiest day of my life it's hard to say um Especially in that accent. Yeah, right. Uh, so. <laughs> Let's dial it back. Dial it back in. Bring it together. That, that Lock it up. That G fuel I chugged before this is kicking in. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, it 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 this had what I got out of playing Edge of the Empire. This had what I got out of playing uh, the Kotor games. This had what I got out of Firefly. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, that space cowboy kind of feel was there from moment one when he walks into that bar and cuts that dude in half with a door. The door, yeah. Which if that's not an elevator pitch to get you to watch this bitch. I don't know what, what <laughs> I don't know what else to do. One of the things that really stood out to me about this show Baby Yoda. Okay, yes, I'm gonna get to him. Okay. But what actually That one a, cat on that one planet. That was great. No, okay. Stop it. You're so distracting of all the cute things. No, what I was gonna say though is that one of the things that really stuck out to me that I thought was really nice and important is that I also was really only well, okay, so my experience with Star Wars is a little different than Chris's. Chris was, like, raised with Star Wars. My family was not a Star Wars family. My mm-hmm. dad is a, like, traditional action movie type of guy. He's a John Wayne, John McClane type of fella. Like, that's the type of stuff we had in the house. And my mom is a romantic comedy, historical romance type of woman. And mm-hmm. so I didn't have a whole lot of Star Wars in my life. Until I was an adult, really the past several years, when I got introduced to things like KOTOR and Edge of the Empire, and then I watched the movies. Mm -hmm. So to me, Star Wars is much more about the universe than it is about the Skywalker saga. Correct. And one of the things that really bothers me about the Skywalker saga is that it's all focused around nothing but humies. Yeah. Great. Humans are great. I'm a human. I like humans. We're dope sometimes. Sometimes we're stupid, but we try. Humans are cool, but I'm a human and I'm around humans every day and I see humans all the time. I don't want to watch no more humans. I want to watch the cool like other races and like Deveronians and like all the cool people yes there's finally freaking twi'leks in this show like there's actually people and races in this show that have just like stopped being represented the races we've seen pop up a lot too which i think is nice because that's important in the newest trilogy they focused a lot of energy on kind of introducing new background aliens i don't and there's a point where like it's it's fine to have all these extra races like it's totally fine to have yeah. as many alien races as you want. That's cool. But if cool. you don't bring back ones that people can connect to, like, you know... Twi'leks. Yeah, like Dathomirian, Zabrak, Twi'leks, uh, Aqualish. Yeah. You know, all these all these ones that we recognize. We already know. Um, then, from seeing them in other movies, Ithorians, the big slug guys. Yeah. Um, like, if we don't see them as well in the background, it starts to feel oddly kind of disconnected. Yeah. Um... So, you know, honestly, something like this, like this big, like, galaxy building type of thing, honestly benefits more from having less species consistently. You know what I mean? Like, have species that are more uh, plentiful than others. Or, like, maybe there are species that don't really break away from their planet much. And a good example of this is Mass Effect. Like, Mass Effect, there's three main species a smattering of others and in other games we might see like the shadow broker was some big dude that we hadn't like big race that we hadn't seen before right and that's the thing is when you add then when you add those races in you know like you accept like you've established oh these are the citadel races 
right. you know right. these are like the citadel friendly races and then you establish that the the uh, the batarians and i'm sorry mass effect fans if i'm messing this up but the ones that like hate humans right the ones with like the four eyes and lumpy heads yeah like you know they aren't a council race we didn't see them on the citadel but then we started seeing a ton of them and there's an explanation behind that but we accepted that they were there and we didn't feel like we were in a whole different kind of aesthetic because we didn't have like you know Krogan hanging around as well and Solarian hanging around as well you know what I mean you know so what? it's like if you want to have a bar scene and you want to introduce some new aliens it's fine but you have to have a table with a bunch of Twi'lek or like some Zabrak some Zabrak hanging out or you know an Athorian <clears throat> doing his typical just like lumbering Athorian thing you know who what they did do a good job too of helping to establish like consistency throughout the galaxy mm-hmm Jawas, yeah. Every like sandy. The beginning, yeah. the beginning trilogy, the middle trilogy, the end trilogy, yep. the Mandalorian, the Clone Wars, the Rebels. There are always Jawa stealing ain't, yo shit. Ain't no <laughs> stopping that Utini. <laughs> Marcellus Wallace, Wallace looked like, like Utini. <laughs> we, okay, so it's a bit of an inside joke, but we had, I'll put it out in the ether. We had an idea, uh, Ryan and I, who Ryan's one of the guys we do Tink Tink stuff with, had an idea a while back while we were playing Edge of the Empire, fun fact, um, of doing a reshoot of Pulp Fiction, but the uh, Samuel Jackson and John Travolta roles would be totally Jawas. Yeah. And so the line we got out of that that we throw at each other from time to time is, does Marcellus Wallace look, look like, like Utini? Utini? Say Utini again. Utini? <laughs> I didn't know they had Utini on what? Um, and that was the entire premise because we're comedy kings. <laughs> So, yeah, you make a good point. There were great, you know, alien elements here. And I agree. Like, I, it's fine to have human people because the audience needs somebody to relate to. But some of the fan favorites always end up being droids and aliens. I mean, yeah. Chewie is a fan freaking favorite. Like, he is one of the most active, like, costumed people at Disney World. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's... Fan favorite out of... Clone Worlds, uh, Ahsoka. Yeah. People I mean, love her. Yeah, exactly. My personal favorite is, like, my personal favorites, if I could pin down a Star Wars character that's my favorite, um, it would be Cad Bane. Like, Cad Bane's great. He's a Duros bounty hunter. He fits the space cowboy stuff. His his portions of Clone Wars is some of my favorite Clone Wars episodes. My so. favorite is Asajj Ventress, a Dathomirian yeah. sister who is the most badass female to ever female in anything ever there i just threw it out there there i said don't at me she Um, is so cool and i it it's it oh it's just good it's just good so i want to give a shout out um because i don't think the show would have been what it was without the amazing team of directors that they had absolutely doing two episodes each we got deborah chow rick fum Famuyiwa, I'm sorry if I messed up your name. I I practiced it, and then when I got to the, to the launching point, so let's rewind. Rick Famuyiwa. Damn it. Uh, anyway. Um, Ricky Boy. Um, and Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni, I 
personally was really excited to have involved with this because he's the guy who did the Clone Wars. So um, good. So he's the driving force behind the Clone Wars series. So and good. I think also Rebels and uh, Resistance, which I haven't gotten around to watching, unfortunately. Um, and then happen. picking up one episode each is also Bryce Dallas Howard and Taika Waititi. So both amazing. amazing. Also, Bryce Dallas Howard, what's up? I think Taika actually closed it out too. Like I think he did the last episode. See now that, and he makes, also voiced the IG robot. That makes so. perfect sense to me because the last episode was the strongest in terms of comedic strength. Yep, it was hilarious. But it was amazing that these people were able to direct this in such a way that a faceless helmeted mandalorian and his puppet baby yoda could have so much life and so much personality and the pacing was really solid and the tone of each episode felt different like there were some episodes felt like you know an adventure movie some episodes felt like a heist movie some felt very dramatic felt very dramatic some felt very western like there was lots of tones being thrown around but they all fit and, and it was just, it was really solid. And I think that that team of five people uh, deserves so much of the credit. And oh, obviously John Favreau for being on top of the whole thing and, you know, writing it and managing it and producing it. Like that team of creators behind this just contained this show in such a way that, you know, on the surface... There's a lot of pitfalls that they could have had. The you know the Mandalorian could have been cold and hard to read, and you know here they have this baby Yoda. Let's do it all in CGI and make him move around and weird. And they like stuck to certain decisions and kept it really solid. And it worked. And it was just so easy to relate and like these characters and get involved in them. Uh, it was cool. And props to Disney because they broke every rule established from streaming Mm. the episodes are only half an hour long yep which that's practically unheard of nowadays yep most of the time if it's not an hour what are you doing um when it comes to this type of fantasy programming um they didn't do it straight like like bingeable which is one of the like key factors of streaming services is Mm. oh oh yeah if you make it if you make it bingeable you know, you get that really high number really fast. They were like, no, we're going to drag it out and you're going to like it. And the thing is, is that when you make it not bingeable, when you make it a, a slow release, you risk losing people. You risk, because there are people that if there's, you know, eight episodes and they're all streamable right now, even if they didn't love the first two, they'll just do the whole thing because, oh, it's just a few hours. It's fine. I'll just get through it. Yeah. But... If you have to wait for it, you risk people being like, eh, wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. And not coming back. But it was that good. So, like, they took a lot of risks when it comes to the way they approached yeah. this show. And and it worked. Well, like, and the, the overall, in addition to taking risks with their approach to, like, packaging the show, they're produ- <laughs> like, uh, they were taking risks even at the production level. Because they, you know, stuck to their guns on using practical effects. Yep. You know, the speeders are all practical. The, you know, they used a lot of CGI touch-up, but it wasn't so much that it felt, like, uncomfortable. You know, so, like, the Ugnaught that Nick Nolte voiced is a prosthetic. It's a person wearing an Ugnaught prosthetic. So cool. And his mouth and face are moving, and they're moving 
physically as well, but then they're touched up CGI. And same with Baby Yoda. Like, Baby Yoda has CGI moments, but for the most part, when people are carrying him around or he's sitting in something, it's a practical effect with, you know, CGI touch-up. And they used, I was reading about this because I mentioned it in a previous episode and I wanted to look into it. So they were using this thing called Stagecraft, um, which was created by a group called ILM. Don't know what that means. But um, it means that they actually project like virtual environments around the actors. Oh, that's cool. So apparently, and this is in the IMDb trivia, uh, according to Kathleen Kennedy, one day a Disney executive visited the set and after taking a look around, turned to John Favreau and said, John, I thought you weren't going to build anything. What the executive didn't know was that he was actually standing within a virtual set. Oh, <gasps> that's so, so cool. And stuff. Um, so that's what, wow. when I mentioned in a previous episode that they use like LED screens that somebody told me, like, that's what that person was referencing. That's so, so cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's super cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, like, oh, and this is another bit of trivia I just found out and I wanted to call this out. They apparently used the 501st for this. Aww. For some of their, like, they needed a bunch of stormtroopers and they didn't have enough extras on hand. So they, like roped in some of the 501st if you don't know the 501st is they go to a ton of conventions and stuff they're a fan group uh that specialize in making their own stormtrooper armor and wearing it and doing parades and they do charity events um and they do you know conventions and stuff like that and signings and pictures the most dedicated cosplayers they're they're dope they're really cool guys um that's super cool we've seen them do their like marches and stuff at like megacon and stuff i've totally got pictures with the 501st at multiple cons yeah because they're my homies i love it um now i I think now i think i need to talk about the big-eared elephant in the room jason sudeikis <laughs> you punched Baby he Yoda. You did punch Baby Yoda. That does happen aggressively. At one point. Aggressively, yeah. I'ma find you. <laughs> you can't just do that. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Baby Yoda is for all of us. And you're not there's some things there's some things you don't do. And punch a baby Yoda is one of those things. And when a director tells you to punch baby Yoda, you say no. It's not in my contract to punch baby Yoda. No. You stand your ground. Mm-hmm. And he didn't stand his ground. <laughs> and I'm offended. You should be better than that. Come on, man. But guys, baby Yoda's the cutest thing to ever happen, ever. Clancy Brown was also in the show. I just remembered that and I wanted to point that out. But oh, yes, yeah, true. Baby Yoda's freaking adorable. <laughs> Um, John Favreau has recently come out and made it clear that he's not related to Yoda. Um, so he's just the same species, but that's still a big deal. Which is cool. Um, it's looking like he's going to be a big part of season two. Of course. Without spoiling anything, um, kind of the overall where this season funnels puts the Mandalorian kind of back in responsibility with baby yoda so after everything kind of pans out his mission becomes clear and it directly involves baby yoda i mean so. they don't really have a choice like yeah, after I mean, the response yeah. of baby yoda from episode one if he if he wasn't like internally like a giant part of season two they reworked that ish 
by yeah. like episode two because they knew that they had stumbled accidentally. They fell onto gold. Well, there's a lot to be <laughs> like <laughs> again, no spoilers, but there's a lot to be excited about uh, for season two too, and I like that they. You know, this was their first, like you said, live action Disney Plus thing. Yeah. So they didn't want to make it too long. They didn't want to make it too intensive. So like eight episodes. But then we're left with so many cliffhangers. Oh, There's yeah. so many characters in the wind and bad guys in the wind and kind of directions that aren't clear. And cool um, tie-ins to other stuff. <laughs> yeah, and cool tie-ins to other stuff. So there's a lot that can be brought into season two. So they could easily do like a big, massive, like, you know, Arrowverse style 23 episode season oh. with what they've teased almost as if this was like an eight episode pilot yeah for you know what would eventually be the Mandalorian or whatever they want to call them you were successful season. Disney yeah now um, make it so <laughs> I yeah it was it was absolutely great it like just hands down like if you haven't watched it it's really really good it caught a lot of flack at one point because of a lack of female characters um i think you know that's that was people being overly sensitive with and not giving it a chance to release more episodes because it was like episode two and people were like there's no ladies in the mandalorian but there were you know like episode one admittedly there wasn't really any female representation and that's fine um or, but, or was the when was the female mandalorian introduced oh yeah i mean she was in episode one that's true so um that's fair yeah like that's the thing is you know we're introduced to this character called the armorer and she's obviously the leader of the mandalorians yeah and she's a she and she's very obviously a she i mean mandalorians never take their helmets off so it's like oh but at the same time if you're trying to make a you know, gender basis, gender equality argument, and your argument centers around, well, we couldn't see her face. That's kind of negating your argument. Yeah, that's as it kind was. of part of the problem. Um, like, oh, prove to me you're female. That's kind of part of the problem uh, that I had with some of the people who made arguments. And admittedly, some of the people that made arguments about this are notoriously bad at what they do. <laughs> I won't mention any names, but yeah. they're not helping their cause at all. Yeah. Um, Fair. Just yes. how it is come at me i don't care <laughs> um i really don't uh but you know we had this character right off the bat and then as the episodes progressed you know we had more female characters including gina carano's character who i'll get her name in a second um bad cara dune yeah um ex rebel special special forces now like mercenary gun for hire kind of person. bounty hunter-ish um, person and is an absolute badass and at no point <clears throat> even when she like hangs out with the mandalorian a little bit more and forms a bond at no point is like i love you no she's I'm not defined by him mandalorian. he's not defined there's by no her sexual tension between the two even when they're like fighting and roughhousing there's no like we should kiss to relieve the tension moments no. it's an amazing female character and all the female characters preceding equally amazing not a single damsel in the whole correct damn Even show not one there is a character at one point that gets introduced that does have some tension right with the mandalorian but she's not a damsel nope she needs his help for her people not 
because she's so incapable to help herself. If anything, of her people, she's the most capable. Yeah, and she doesn't throw herself at him. No. It's like, I'm here, I'm interested, but you gotta do something. I consent if you wanna. So, (laughs) let me know. Um, But I respect your life choices. (laughs) She's not weak in the face of a man. No. Um, And she's she's like the best best person in her village. She's like the best shot. She's tactically smart. She's a mom, but it's not like... That doesn't weigh her down, but it also doesn't define her. You know what no. I mean? Like, she's not just, like, the nurturing mom trope. It just sort of, like, helps yeah. empower her even yeah. more. Like, she's, she's just, just overall awesome. kind, responsible, badass, and capable. And that's what she is. And she, you know, in the guise of, like, very, you know, I guess, gender normative female representation, like, she's probably the most, because she's a mom, and she's, they're, like, farmers. Yeah and like hunter gatherers and stuff like that but she's still like i said smart nice capable total badass so and one of the things that i absolutely loved was that every almost every woman we see in this show is fulfilling a non-gender normative position Mm -hmm. so like the armorer is a woman in a typically male position there's amy sedaris's character is a a mechanic mechanic in its dock manager in like a very masculine type of environment you've got multiple like rebel special forces you've got bounty hunters you've got like there there's all these women who are just like super badass living their best life in these very stereotypically masculine role like Mm-hmm. roles that they would have to like fulfill and they aren't apologetic they aren't trying to define themselves they're not trying to defend themselves they just doing their thing and it is mm-hmm. glorious yeah they're not you know defined or constricted by their femininity no but it still exists yeah they still maintain it they're still they wear it on the outside they're still proud of it you know, I am a woman. I'm not trying to be a man so I can fit in this male role. This is just who I am. And it's cool because they don't even, like, present it in such a way like, oh, you're a woman in a traditionally male. They just are yep. women doing Here stuff. Here I am. Yeah, like, yeah. hey, I'm a mechanic. That just, yeah, whatever. Yep. Hey, I'm the armorer. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh, I'm a bounty hunter. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. There's no, there's, there's no, never, like. Yeah, that's what I like to say. Oh, but you're a woman. There's like, never a commentary. No. Like, there's even a scene where, uh. <laughs> Gina Carano's Cardoon is who is an amazing character, and I really hope we see more of her. So badass, and uh, I really hope we see more of Gina in in addition because yeah. she just killed this role, she, and I she really want to see her. I hope she doesn't get relegated to like Fast and the Furious cheesy action movies. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I hope we see her pop it up in a little bit more like intricate fare. Um, or sticking with like sci-fi stuff like that would be badass that'd be cool um but i loved her in this i want to see more of her she's awesome but there's a scene where she is participating basically in like a gambling bar fight like yeah i'm gonna fight this big dude and you guys take bets and i'm gonna win some money and at no point is the big dude like come here little girl yeah or like no oh this woman thinks she can beat me and that's such a cliche that would happen yeah. You know, in like a movie or a TV show where they're like, we need to establish that this woman's a badass. They would be like, 
you know, let's have her get berated for being a woman and then show, you know, give that show guy. Them off. Yeah, give yeah. that guy his comeuppance. Like, haha, you thought I was just a woman. But at no point is it that. No, just she just beats his butt people because fighting. she's awesome. She takes hits. He takes hits. She wins. Hooray. You know, it actually reminded me a lot of... Um, Zoe from Firefly, Firefly. because she is married. Heart, you know. There's no first of all best like one of the best married couple couples in cinema is <sighs> Wash and Zoe, um, because there's never a story arc based around like lack of communication no. or like infidelity or anything like that. Mistrust. They're just allowed to be. There are like few small moments where it's like jealousy plays a factor but it's always just worked out they talk it out they're their own people and they're allowed to be turk and carla from scrubs yeah in my opinion also great married couple absolutely uh, very realistic anyway uh zoe's married you know she mentions like possibly wanting to have kids and stuff like that like she's just living her womanly life with the man she loves but is a total badass at no point, like... Second in command. Yeah, second in command. At no point tries to, like, you know, feels like she has to resemble or look like a man in order to achieve in this man's world. No. And at no point is it ever, like, as far as I can remember, it's been a long time since I've seen Firefly. There might have been throwaway lines. I don't know. Uh, at no point is it like, where are you going, little girl? You think you can do he-he-he? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, pew-pew. I'm badass. She has that similar representation in the comics right now, too. Like, she leads troops. Like, she runs into battle, and they follow her, and it does not matter whether she's a man or a woman. They are going to follow her to the end, and it's amazing. And Gina Torres is amazing. I love her. I recognize her voice like that. (laughs) Mm. Like, really. Like, I love her. She's amazing. So, Mandalorian... 100% 100% watch. Definitely need to check it out. Um, there's so much good that it's just hard to really like... Articulate? Articulate everything. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I only really have one complaint and it's just always the complaint I have because I spent years playing a droid. And I just want droids to have better representation. I People know. to not kill them so flippantly. Hey. But maybe someday. Did the droid in... I was thinking of this. Did the droid in Solo die? I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember if it did. I know the droid in Rogue One died. Yeah. But everyone died. So I was kind of okay with that. You know what, though? (laughs) Leia acknowledges the value of a droid. It's true. And says, never. That's awesome. Yeah. Never doubt the ability of a droid. So thank you, Princess Leia, for putting those meat bags in their place. Careful now. You're a meat bag. I'm just saying. (laughs) Droids are awesome. Droids I mean, are awesome. Darth they don't get Vader enough love. only happened when he became part droid. Yeah. Some of the coolest villains Take have that. been part droid. <laughs> Grievous. Vader. Grievous is dope. We need more Grievous. Yeah. <laughs> droids are awesome and droids deserve love. And I want to see Star Wars something where one of the main characters is a droid. A lot of personality and everyone loves him and he lives. That's what I want. <laughs> R2-D2? But like... Not a rolling trash can droid. Like hey! A... See? Look at you! No, you are you no, are no. you are droid racist of yourself! No, I like R2, but it's like it's like R2's... C3PO didn't die. C3PO got his brain wiped and everyone was it was 
this whole point of that sequence was everyone was just so cool to wipe C-3PO's brain. Yeah, that was really kind of messed up. Everyone was like, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's wipe his memories. Cool. Well, they yeah, let's to, do it. They're trying to save the galaxy, Chris. No, I get it. <laughs> but it was really quick. They didn't have an aside at all to be like, guys, but it's, it's 3PO. No, F that. If they were like, hey, the only way we can save the galaxy is we've got to erase Ray's personality. It'd be like, no, hold on. Admittedly, hating on C-3PO was maybe the one continuing factor through all of the trilogies. Mm -hmm. It was the, like, one remaining thread that tied all nine movies together was how much everyone rolls their eyes at C-3PO. it gave us the best line of... The entire new trilogy, which was when Babu Frick, Babu, Baba Frick, Babu Frick. Yeah. The little guy, Baba yeah. Frick. The adorable little one. Shows up with the masked lady and C-3PO goes, Babu Frick, my oldest friend. <laughs> Best line of the new trilogy. Perfect comedic deliverance. That was perfect. It was so good. Um, so anyway. If you don't have Disney Plus, I highly recommend it. There's going to be more cool content coming out soon. Yes. Um, supposedly, Scarlet Witch and Vision is coming sooner than we thought it was. Gimme, 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 um, gimme. So we're going to start getting Marvel stuff. And anytime oh. there's a new series, we will talk about it on here. We actually, behind the curtain a little bit, we went to do an episode of, of Real Extra on the first episode of The Mandalorian. We ran into some technical difficulties. We ran out of time on that day that we went to record. And we just decided, you know what, we'll do it when it's over. So that might be the new norm is doing it when it's over. um, Because I think then we have a little bit more to talk about um, overall. Unless it like really blows us away. Unless the first episode is just like, ah, we got to rally the troops. Everyone needs to watch this. Um, it is entirely possible because I do likely, have a tendency to just sort of like start rambling and then Chris just like puts a microphone in front of me because at least then we have content. Mm-hmm. More than likely <laughs> what we'll do is we'll do like a quick tweet about first episodes and then we'll do, you know, the real extra once we get to the last one. But thank you so much. That's going to finish it up for us today. Do you have any closing thoughts? You have not bought me no Baby Yoda stuff yet. They're not out yet. I swear to you. I swear to you, find not it. Yet. Find um, it. I'm seeing dice my, pouches. I'm seeing I knitted them. little bitty cuties. I have them on order. I just don't like getting Get me stuff from Etsy. Dang, baby Yoda I've a, stuff. I've got a little Funko Pop, <laughs> a big Funko Pop, and a plushie coming your way when it comes in. But it does not exist yet. That was the big drama because <sighs> Disney chose to hide Baby Yoda from the world instead of getting that money. Because they did not release Baby Yoda stuff for the holidays. It's a travesty. Which is and a bold a crime. Choice. I mean, that shows a lot of confidence in Disney for this show. That they didn't release merchandise. Because that would have instantly leaked Baby Yoda. You know, it would have been out in the world before episode one. But they chose to hold off production of this stuff. So that the effect could happen. Ugh. And that's that shows a lot of, lot of confidence. But I so, want it! I know. Anyway... Thank you so much for listening, guys. Yes, uh, thank you, guys. Get out and see The Mandalorian. If you've seen it already, what do you think? Let us know. Uh, you can let us know by finding us on Facebook and Twitter at Coverbee Podcast. That's right. If you want to listen to old real extras that we did for previous movies, um, one of the most recent ones we did is for Rise of the Skywalker. So if you haven't listened to that one, this would be a good segue into that one. Get a bunch of Star Wars stuff in your life. 
Uh, you can find those on our website, as well as all of our regular episodes and various other extra things, uh, coverbepodcast.com. That's right. We look forward to hearing from you. I want to know, do you love Baby Yoda a lot? Do you love Baby Yoda a whole lot? Do you love Baby Yoda a whole hell of a lot? Where are you at? What's your level? How it should you, be a whole hell of a lot because he's baby freaking Yoda. How do you feel about the meatbags and their mistreatment of our droid brethren? And do you think the droid revolution is nigh? I do, personally. Say hello to your Alexa for me. Anyway, let's close it <laughs> off there. <gasps> I need to go let him calm down. We'll talk to you later. Bye, y'all. Droid rights!